The first question I ask my classes at the start of every semester, after, of course, asking them, hey, are you guys here for writing class, is a seemingly fundamental question of, by a show of hands, how many of you like writing or like to write? And, you know, it's funny when you ask questions as any sort of instructor, if anybody who's listening has a, is a teacher or a professor of any sort, you know that asking questions oftentimes gets you less than an honest answer in terms of group response, sometimes. Because um, obviously, especially if the content's related to the topic that the instructor is clearly invested in, like a writing instructor, you don't want to risk insulting that person perhaps maybe right or at least that's sort of what i would uh, suspect um right you know you wouldn't expect all students to say oh of course we hate writing i i think to some extent because i like to at least think of myself as pretty personable um students know that they can feel comfortable even after just meeting me for a minute or two first impressions are everything and they stick with us especially initially quite strongly. So I think I do get an honest answer out of them when I ask this question very outright and very upfront. Um, usually, again, after introducing myself and talking a little bit about the course or starting to talk a little bit about the course. And this applies for all writing courses that I do. Now, in creative writing, the answer I get is much more likely that students like writing. However, in either my freshman composition courses or my especially technical writing courses, the answer is pretty much across the board of out of maybe if it's a smaller class of 20 students, I might get one or two who raise their hands. And if it's a larger lecture class of maybe 35 students, maybe I get three or four who raise their hands if I'm lucky. And of course, I laugh and say, I'm glad to see that you're all honest because that looks about accurate. And then I tell them that my goal throughout the semester, in addition to obviously teaching you the curriculum as prescribed by the university and our writing programs guidelines, is to as well really make you appreciate the value of writing and the applications of writing as a form of good, strong thinking that is wildly useful and beneficial to you personally, professionally, and as of now academically, of course, uh, not just in our class, but moving forward in many aspects of your life. And I conclude by saying, so hopefully I will ask this question again at the end of the semester and more of you will raise your hands, but we will see. Uh, that varies from semester to semester, but again, that is a very genuine hope. And that is genuinely, genuinely my goal. I mean, if I can't get them to like writing, I can at least get them to learn the lessons for why it's important. And of course, you know, this is a very broad topic. This is a very broad category of what it means to teach and what it means to learn, right? Like, what do we mean when we say, or when you ask somebody, do you like writing? Well, there's a lot of potential answers to that question if you were to not just go by a show of hands, right? So I think the fact of even teaching students over the course of a semester sort of the fact that there are all these parts of writing that they may like or different applications of writing that they may enjoy. Ah, well, now we've moved from students just hating writing because they're given broad, arbitrary-sounding essay topics that they 
care absolutely nothing nothing about in high school or even in college in certain classes and they see it as more that work is more job work you know just work for work's sake as opposed to any much tangible benefit to themselves or, or others who are reading their work of course that's a, a pretty sweeping generalized statement but i think it's certainly a true story for many students and that is why that answer is pretty much almost unanimous that students don't raise their hands that they like writing so uh, I'm going to do another episode on this at the end of the semester and report back to you since we're doing an episode now at the beginning of the semester about my tally of students who like writing at the beginning of class and again it was like I don't know whatever that percent is I'll calculate that later you know fewer than 10% uh, probably or 10% or, or less or whatever um We'll see. Hopefully we can at least double that percentage at the end of the semester because I will ask them again and uh, we, we will see, right? So anyways, I wanted to welcome to Professor Lab's podcast, of course, where we talk about all sorts of writing-related topics uh, based on conversations and ideas and topics that come up in class, uh, in all my classes. So some weeks we talk about creative writing topics, some weeks we talk about more academic and then, of course, there's uh, all variations within there. And I wanted to, this week, spend a little bit of time talking about why writing is good for your soul, as it, per the description, because it is the beginning of the semester, and this very much is a point that I try to relate to my students at the very beginning of the semester. I think it's vital to really emphasize this idea that you want to think about writing as an opportunity as opposed to, again, just a requirement or a job or a tool that gets you something else or somewhere else, which it also is. But I think part of the process of recognizing how that works as a tool and the value of why it actually matters to use writing as a tool in that way, um, and again, this can be whether just through academic essays or through more professional development um, topics or, or projects like resume writing, cover letter writing, whatever the case may be. Um, I think understanding why those tools work effectively to accomplish a goal really gives meaning to, you know, thinking about writing is more than just words. It's really about good, thorough, detailed communication more so. So again, I, I, I think that's really key in the first day of class every semester and certainly the first week, and then carrying that momentum throughout the semester, obviously. If you're not a student listening to this, I think this is fantastic advice regardless. I think it's great advice for everybody. And in fact, that's a large part of the different types of examples I give uh, when talking to my students about how much writing in your daily life applies beyond the classroom. It applies beyond the college scene. Um, and I, I tell students examples of former students of mine who come back to visit or they email me years after they've taken my class now because I've been teaching for, uh, how long have I been teaching for now? I don't know, five, six years now. Um, so I have alumni who constantly tell me how much they valued the work in our class. And again, it, it's multifaceted. It's for some, sometimes the reason is, well, yeah, I was able to apply these skills of you know, thinking about convincing my audience to writing a cover letter and a resume, uh, you know, a statement of purpose, uh, whatever other type of application, or just 
you know, talking with my boss via email and thinking about the best way to approach certain situations. So there's all these applications beyond just, you know, academic purposes that students find they use in, in their real lives. So that's something that we, again, emphasize throughout the semester. And I like looking at all sorts of different real world examples of, again, writing emails or, uh, you know, identifying credit card scams. That's one of my favorite ones or other types of scams. Uh, writing parking ticket appeal requests. That's something that I might even do an episode on and, and read through you uh, to you some examples of exactly that because it's pretty fun. But again, this gets into the larger, broader perspective of, well, wait a minute. Writing can obviously, again, as we said earlier, accomplish goals or help you open doors to accomplish goals. Um, but again, I think coming back to the title at hand here that writing is good for your soul is, again, a, a key element and a key component that sort of transcends these more technical lessons that we cover in the classroom uh, on the surface. So I, why, this is a good question, right? Like, why is it good? Or actually, let's backtrack a little bit, right? Let's start with, first of all, these definitions when we say writing is good for your soul. I say that from, ironically, a relatively secular point of view. And what I mean by that is that I feel as if the word soul isn't necessarily misused. Um, I mean, I, I haven't even looked up the exact definition lately, to be honest, but I would presume that many people, when they hear the word soul, it clicks in their mind, religious, gods, Jesus's, whatever else, right? They, they think of that as a very religious term applying to very religious uh, purposes and topics and theories and thoughts and viewpoints and all that, which is absolutely true. However, I think the, the word soul is more holistic as well in terms of thinking about ourselves and our well-being. And so that's more of the definition that I'm sort of tapping into when I think about writing in this way, in the sense of being good for your soul. So what I mean by that is this idea that writing, again, while on the surface, it can help you accomplish things, which is good for you, which is good for your well-being. It's these larger, broader ideas of perspective and reflection and personal development that I think writing can help to unlock and unleash and help you to the realizations that you might not be able to get to otherwise. So that's really what I mean when I say that writing is good for your soul and why I argue that it is good at accomplishing that um, that goal or, the, or that, those goals of, of improving one's, oneself. So I, it's not as if I actually say that in class. I don't know if I'm supposed to or allowed to, as per the religious reasons, uh, use a term like that. So I never actually say it, but it's part of my teaching philosophy, certainly, as I'm going throughout the semester. And again, I try to establish this ideal early on, and I certainly try to continue to, to develop, to build on upon that throughout the semester. So... Again, th this idea expands into all other types of writing. Obviously, you have to take this on a situation-by-situation -situation basis. It's like in an academic freshman writing composition class, for example. There's only so many opportunities to do personal writing. But again, I, I think it's vital to 
established the connection between the ability to reveal what's inside of yourself through writing and to show students or to help them realize the power of that and the, the potential of that and connecting that to, well, if you're able to do that, if you're able to figure something out about yourself or about the world around you through writing, and again, this can occur in all sorts of ways, all sorts of reflective prompts and assignments and that sort of thing. Um, even something as seemingly rudimentary as a personal essay where it's like, this is a type of freshman writing composition assignment I've done in the past where we very simply say, all right, write about an event in your life that changed you in a certain way or changed uh, your perspective or your um, outlook or challenged you and helped you grow in some way. And again, I think what, what that type of assignment accomplishes is really tangible and really valuable uh, because if they can make that connection between how and why that's important and useful for themselves, it's ironic. It's teaching them th the value of writing uh, more so than it's teaching me um, much in terms of, you know, actual hard information. I mean, I'm learning facts about them, which is great. It gives me perspective, but it's really for them uh, to help them draw those connections. And if they can do that, then they can, I think, really build upon that in terms of further analysis of, uh, you know, analyzing articles or doing research and, and really asking and trying to find value in results that they find and analysis of those results. So I really think it's a cumulative process in that sense. And, you know, even we just finished um, the first week, we're in the second week now of class, actually, as of recording this, but, you know, perfect example, in addition to personal narrative essays, is the fact that I like to start again with perspective analysis. And one of the things I do as an example, um, it's one of my favorite assignments, I empty out my bag on the table of class. And this is shortly after we have discussed a little bit about audience awareness and thinking about what your audience knows and doesn't know. Um, and then talking about, you know, again, detail and the detail of the world around you. And the fact that, well, you can look at certain objects or certain environments and describe them in a very boring way. So the example I give is, well, describe the classroom. Or what's the boring way to describe the classroom? And we say, well, it has four walls, a ceiling, a door, chalkboard, and a table. And the point is that beyond the detail of the chalkboard, all of those details or observations are pretty much pointless. They don't add anything. They don't clarify anything. We only could maybe know that that description is of a classroom and not any other room by the detail of the chalkboard. So that's a slightly better detail, but all the others are not great details because as per what your audience will assume the definition of a room to be, that includes doors or windows or walls or ceilings or whatnot. So the challenge is, the key is to describe based on those preconceived no notions of the object or the environment itself, what details can we state that are more revealing of a larger theme or a larger commentary of what's going on? And so this gets really interesting, right? Well, if, you're, if your point in describing this classroom is to highlight how the school is, uh, let's say, cheap and um, underfunded and doesn't care about their appearances, well, then that's when you start describing the classroom had cracked paint uh, on the walls and... 
the you know windows were you know fogged with whatever and um you know whatever other details you know, the chalkboards were you know glazed with uh year old you know chalk dust or something like that right so details that kind of reveal oh there's a lack of upkeep here right so we kind of build from the personal to the world around us in terms of our observations and then like i said i empty my backpack on the 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 table and i have them uh write an analysis of who they think i am what they think they can conclude about me based on not just the objects they see there but what they know or don't know already about me for me rambling so far for the first week um the objects included on the table the objects or the details of the objects themselves and then how those objects work together or not observing them and analyzing them so this is where it gets tricky and it gets layered right because you may see an object uh as an example i had a uh what did I have? I'm trying to remember now. I have a picture of it. Um, I had a stick of deodorant in my bag and it was on the table and they made observations and conclusions. And one of the points that we concluded was that, well, it's not enough to just point out, well, the professor likes to stay clean because he has a stick of deodorant. It's like, well, what type of deodorant is it? And they looked at it more closely and it turns out, oh, it's this Tom's Healthy brand. It's like, okay, what does that mean? Well, let's read more of the details. Oh, well, they donate to the environment and they're, you know, they support sustainable practices and they don't test on animals and all this other wonderful stuff, right? So now that object, observing it more closely, adds not only to the overall impression that you have of me, but also to asking, well, how does this now fit in with those other objects? And I said to think of them as puzzle pieces that morph and change as you get new puzzle pieces, which is why it's so complicated, but so interesting, right? And if you now have that eco attachment to the deodorant, well, wait a minute, there's sunglasses, a hat, and uh, garbage bags, right? And now they're saying, well, maybe he cares about the environment. Maybe he picks up stuff. And lo and behold, it turns out that I spend way too much of my time cleaning beaches, uh, which is a difficult conclusion to come to, but you can almost get there just by those objects. And again, building that picture, developing that picture as you make these connections. So that's a really rev revelatory exercise, I think, for many students. And why I use this as an, as an example for why I think this fits into this theme of how and why writing is good for your soul is the fact that, and again, we can say good for your well-being, whatever, instead, uh, but it is the fact that, well, look at what you can do when you really analyze the objects in the world around you. And again, you continue to analyze, right? You don't just take things at their surface value, even if it seems like you can draw conclusions just based on that, right? You can look at the deodorant and say, well, he, he probably likes to stay clean, right? That is may, may or may not also be true, right? But is it the complete picture? And again, if you're thinking about this, you might not even consciously be applying this to your own thinking in thinking about yourself, but it, it goes hand in hand, right? Whether you're applying these rules of layered observation to your own thinking and your own perspective or what you perceive about the world around you and what you think you can conclude about the world around you, 
well, that makes a whole lot of difference, right? It makes a whole lot of difference, like we said, not just going to the next paper. And I do make this connection. I do draw this connection. Oh, guess what you have to do next? You have to do an anal a rhetorical analysis paper of an opinion article in the school newspaper from the school newspaper. Well, how do you do that? You have to find evidence, try to draw conclusions, have to keep refining those conclusions as you find more evidence. Go back to the evidence you found, analyze it more closely, just like we did with the objects in the bag, right? This also applies to research when we get to the next bigger paper, the research paper. Well, have to do the same thing. You can start with a thesis. You can, much like looking at me, think you can draw conclusions, and some of them might be pretty accurate based on some of the observations that you can initially make. However, as you continue to develop and learn more, you have to challenge the information you found. It morphs into a bigger puzzle picture, right? So again, I think that's that's really interesting. And that is a skill set of perspective and point of view that I really do think students value. And I really do think they can take with them, you know, in, in so many ways, in so many situations, um, or at least I hope. I mean, again, like I said, I've had students who say that this is uh, a really valuable way of thinking for themselves. Um, and, and, and it applies certainly in their other classwork, uh, classes and coursework, but absolutely, I think, in their daily lives and activities. And again, it's not as to say I'm some, you know, thought guru or something in terms of my own metacognitive abilities. I, <laughs> I guess I've just, you know, been thinking about it maybe a little bit longer. But I, I, it's another point that I try to tell my students that the day that you think you've learned everything, you've uh, failed. That's the only time that you've truly failed in writing and thought and life is when you think you've found all the answers and figured everything out. Um, if only you were that easy, but it wouldn't be very interesting then, would it, right? So there's always more to learn. There's always more to add to your own sort of uh, reservoir of not just knowledge, but how to learn things more, right? How to gain more knowledge. I think that's actually more useful than just having knowledge is having the ability to further assess and to further challenge and refine your, not just your worldview, but your ability to refine your worldview. I'm not even sure if that quite makes sense as I say it, but it, it feels like it makes sense in my head. So I'm going to go with that. Um, it's hard to tell on a podcast because I don't have, uh, I can't see my listeners nodding along like I can my students sometimes. So I don't know. You'll have to tell me, which I encourage you to do, actually. Uh, please, if you like anything that you hear, uh, comment. I don't know where you're listening. If it's on YouTube, you can comment there. Uh, if it's through Twitter, you can comment there. Uh, our handle is at JoT Labs. Our, our main website, um, professorlabs.podbean.com. Um, you can comment there as well. And if you have ideas for other topics or, again, you have thoughts on what we said so far, would love to hear from you as well. But, again, this is kind of a brief episode because I just thought it was a really interesting topic and I wanted to tackle it while it was still fresh in my mind at the very beginning of the semester because I think it is so valuable. And, again, it does sort of set the pace and tone for the remainder of the semester. So I think that's a, the best way to conclude is just reemphasizing that point that, yeah, writing is good for your well-being, and it's good for your well-being because it 
again, as I also tell my students, good writing is not about words so much as thought. And the words are just the tools to express that thought. But it takes that level of rigor and that level of detail to really get there and to really get something um, out of the writing and, and out of yourself and, and to improve yourself. So it's really, again, about uh, improving your own abilities of observation, essentially, and how to express those observations. And that, in turn, makes you more prepared, I feel like, to deal with a world that is so chaotic and to help find your place and navigate through all of that, which if that's not good for your well-being, I don't know what is. So once more, this is good life advice. I honestly feel like not just for college students, but anybody listening, um, teachers as well, professors as well, myself as well. Uh, and I hope you agree. If not, or you have other ideas, again, please let me know. Um, and other than that, I hope anybody else who is in school has a, had a great first week, great beginning of the semester. Uh, I know the start of anything seems like it's going to take a while, but we get there one step at a time, such as most things in life. You take the little steps with the big goals in mind. You never want to lose sight of those big goals, even when they seem far off. So thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, I guess, uh, Keep improving yourself through writing or whatever else, and we will see you next time. Thanks again. Bye-bye.